0: All right, I'm very excited to share with you, announce our guest preacher for today. Uh, Joel, my friends, he's actually preached at Mill City before and at Elam before. And we're so grateful to have him today. Joel was one of my theology professors, and now we become friends. I think that means the class was good. It's quite a journey. It's quite a journey. journey. It's been a journey. It's been a journey for (laughs) us. Um, but Joel now is the director of the Center for Pastor Theologians, and his work is about how those of us who lead in local contexts like this have to be mindful of how we think well about who God is and what God's about as we lead and practically and what that means in our lives. And so today you'll see in his sermon he's bringing that to this conversation that we're having, Rest with God. So could you join me in welcoming Dr. Joel Lawrence? Thank you. God. Thank, you. Thank you. Well, good Good morning good to good to see you all it is really fun to to be here as steph mentioned i've been with the mill city uh community before back at the school and and now to be be here with with mill city in this place it's really a a beautiful thing and uh, i just want to say that uh i've through my connection to, to Stephanie, been hearing about what you guys have been doing, how God has been at work in this time of, of transition. And I just want to say how encouraged I am at, at what God has done here. And uh, Steph's leadership, I just I really admire her so much. And, and Pastor Paul, your leadership through this as well has been significant. And I, I think that this is the kind of thing that we're going to see happening more and more as the, the American church faces challenges and, and also sees opportunities that I think the Spirit of God is going to be doing things and to have this church be a template of that. And, and people have been watching and it's been really, really beautiful to see what you all have done. So uh, just a privilege and an honor for me to be here this morning and uh, excited to be able to open up God's Word together. Would you join me in prayer as we come before the Word of the Lord? Father, we are so grateful to you for your Presence in this place and um, for your work in this community, I I pray, God, that you would bless Mill City, that you would bless the ministry of this congregation, and that you would use um, these, your people, for your purposes. God, I pray now as we come to open up your word together that you would meet with us here by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our, our hearts, that you would speak to our minds. And God, that what we are bringing in with us, uh, challenges, sorrows, joys, whatever is going on in our life, I pray, God, that, that you would speak powerfully to each one here this morning. I, I confess that I am unworthy to be your vessel, but I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Amen. So I, I wonder if you have ever found yourself in a situation that you thought was going to be a harmless situation, right a, a straightforward situation that, that all of a sudden turns dangerous. I, I had this experience uh, when I was leading a college ministry, uh, and my wife and I took a group of college students from... Uh, we were at Texas, near Texas A&M University from College Station, Texas, down to Galeana, Mexico. Galeana is up in kind of the mountains in, in north-central Mexico. And so we are just there for a week doing a, a week of mission. And one of the days we were to drive from Galeana in the mountains down to Monterrey, Mexico, and do a, a day of, of mission down in, in Monterrey. And, and so it started out to be a nice, pleasant drive through the hills uh, in Mexico all of a sudden turned very dangerous when I realized that we had a brake problem on the van that I was driving, and the problem was with, that the brakes weren't working anymore. Right? And you find yourself in this kind of a situation, driving a van, curvy roads, you've got basically a kind of a, a cliff on one side and a deep ravine on the other side, And your mind starts to work pretty quick in this kind of a moment. and You're starting to calculate the possibilities here. And there are kind of three possibilities that go through my mind. Possibility number one is that the brakes just miraculously start working again. I asked for that, but it was not delivered unto me. Possibility two was turn into the cliff right, just kind of move the van over and kind of crash it basically into the cliff so that we don't keep going careening down the mountain. Possibility three was over the edge, which I was not interested in that possibility. So I was kind of coming around a curve, and right as I'm coming around that curve, I'm about to turn the van into the cliff, and all of a sudden it opens up in front of me this shoulder and I don't think there was any shoulder on any other spot in this whole road from Galeana to Monterey but I pull over I see the shoulder and realize I can pull over onto the shoulder and there's kind of a lot of undergrowth And uh, kind of brush that had grown up and if I get the van there, I think it will slow me down enough and I can hit the emergency brake. That's exactly what I did. I pulled over under the shoulder. It did slow me down enough. I got it to about 15 miles an hour. Threw on the emergency brake and the van stopped. I thought I was going to be having a nice little drive through the mountains to Monterey When all of a sudden I was in a dangerous situation, I want to suggest that you, Mill City Church, are in a similar situation with this sermon series that you're doing this summer. With a sermon series on rest, you might think you're in a nice little sermon series about taking some time off from time to time. You're not. You're in a dangerous situation, right? It's this series on rest. We think it's about how do we find rest in our day? How do we manage our busyness? How do we care for our mental and our emotional health? All of which is important, and all of which will be addressed in this series. But you're in far greater danger than you think. You're in far greater danger than you realize Because Sabbath is dangerous. Sabbath is dangerous. It does pose questions about taking time off. It does pose questions about unplugging and what does it look like to build that into our lives. Super important question. But at its heart, Sabbath poses a far deeper question than when do we take some time off? to rest. And what does that look like in the rhythm of my life? Sabbath poses a much more fundamental, much more dangerous challenge to our lives. Because here's the thing, when it is properly understood, Sabbath is a confrontation. It it confronts us. It It confronts the most dearly held values of our modern world, of the world that we live in. It challenges the ideas and the visions of human thriving that have come to dominate our culture today. Sabbath challenges some of the bedrock ideals upon which current American culture is built. And because it challenges all of that, it challenges every single one of us and the ways that our hearts have been conformed to these modern visions and modern ideals. It challenges each one of us and the way that we have given our heart to the ways of the world around us. The Sabbath is dangerous because it confronts us in some of the deepest places in our souls. What I want to do this morning in the time that we have been given is to explore this challenge, is to explore this confrontation, and we're going to do that out of Deuteronomy chapter 5. So I want to give a little bit of context now as we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy is the most skipped book in the Bible. Right, You're reading along, you're reading along, and maybe you plowed through Exodus and Leviticus, and then Deuteronomy, you're like, I'm out, I'm done, let me get to Joshua, the narrative picks up, it gets a little more exciting at that point in time. Right? Probably most of us haven't spent a ton of time really digging in to Deuteronomy, so I just want to give us some context so that we, as we turn to the Sabbath command from Deuteronomy chapter 5, we kind of know what's going on in the story of this book. So, setting the stage. Israel has been wandering in the desert for 40 years. right? You remember this about Israel that they were brought out of Egypt and, and God promised them that he would give them the land of, of their descendants. And so, so they've been on this journey that went from, from where they were in Egypt to the promised land. And they're about now to cross over to claim the land that God has given to them. And so the first Four chapters of Deuteronomy is really kind of a summation of their last 40 years, of their years of wandering. And what it says there is that this journey, when they were at a place called Kadesh Barnea 40 years ago, about to go into the land, they, they could have gone in and, and had a journey of 11 days. And instead, because of their disobedience to the Lord, that journey that should have taken 11 days took 40 years. That is a lot of false turns, both literally and metaphorically. Israel has been wandering. But now, here they are. They're sitting at the precipice. They're sitting just across the Jordan, about to go into the land that God has promised to them. Forty years ago, they gathered at Mount Sinai, and God gave them, through Moses, the law. His good command... His loving and gracious law that isn't there to trip us up. It isn't there to test us and make sure that we can keep it. And if not, he's going to slap us down. It is there because God is good and because God is filled with grace. And so God gives his grace-filled law to the people of Israel to shape them as the people who will be his God. And they will be his people so that they can dwell together in the peace and the goodness of dwelling under the rain of Yahweh. So he give them, gave them the law at Sinai. and now as they sit about to cross the Jordan River, we have the Deutero Namas. Deuteronomy. Deutero means second and Namas means law. It's the second giving of the law, the second reading of the law. So all of Israel is gathered together and Moses is reading them again the law of the Lord to form them. This is a people-forming moment. It's Forming them as a people as you go into the promised land. Hear again what God has called for you to be, who God has called for you to be, how he will be your God and you will be his people. Then we come to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and there we have the Ten Commandments. Right? The Ten Commandments were given 40 years ago. As they were leaving Egypt, now in the second reading of the law, the Ten Commandments are being read again. And as we come to verse 12, we come to the command for Sabbath. What is the purpose of Sabbath? What is the point of Sabbath? What is Sabbath to do in the life of Israel's people? Well, let's dig into that question as we turn to Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 when we look at 12 through 15 I'm going to read verses uh, 12 through 14 as we hear the command of the Lord to keep the Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. So God gives the command, keep Sabbath. He says you're to keep Sabbath holy. It's a pretty extensive list of who's not to work, right? Right? Everybody, nobody is supposed to work. Not you, not your animals, not your servants, not the foreigners that are dwelling in the land. Nobody is to work on this day. You are to keep it holy. It is a different day. It is a unique day. It is a set apart day. The other six days, those are common days. Those are the days on which you do your work. But this day is holy It's unique. It's different. Nobody is to work. This isn't a day where you get to relax, but your servants have to do work to kind of keep things going. This isn't a day where you get to hang out, but you get someone to take one of your animals out and they do some work. Everybody rests on Sabbath. Keep it holy. It is different. It is unique. It carries with it a special meaning. It carries with it a special function in the life of Israel where once a week, nobody works. So that's the what. That's the command. But we need to ask, what is the why? Because all of God's commands have a why behind them. God's commands are not arbitrary. God's commands are not stuff that he just kind of thinks up to see if we'll follow along. God's commands are good. God's commands always have a purpose. So what is the purpose behind this command to rest? We find that out as we move forward reading into verse 15 now and we see that the first word in verse 15 is remember. Remember. Sabbath calls us to remember. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at a conference out in Washington, D.C., and I had a a little bit of free time when I was out there, and I, I was staying not too far from the White House, so I decided to take a walk. I'm kind of a walker when I go to towns, cities that I've never been to. I like to to wander around, explore those places. So I was walking around Washington, D.C., and as I was walking around Washington, D.C., I saw a lot of memories. There are lots of memories everywhere you look in Washington, D.C. I saw this memory. It's the Jefferson Memorial. Right. The Jefferson Memorial, I, I saw this memory, it's the Lincoln Memorial, and, and I saw this memory, it's the Washington, it is a, somebody, I, I heard somebody got it, it's the Washington Monument, but kind of the same idea. I texted this picture to my family thread and my, one of my daughters said, Dad, that looks like it hurts. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> lots of memories, lots of memorials. Lots of remembering. There are many others. There's the MLK Memorial, the Vietnam Memorial, the the World War II Memorial, the Korean War Memorial. What do these memorials do? Why do we erect these things? Why do we build these things? They're meant to call us to remember. Remember. And in remembering, they're not just there to kind of bring it to our minds so that we'll remember something that happened in the past. They're actually called for us today to listen to a story. Because these memorials tell a story. These monuments tell a story. They communicate values. They're meant to shape how we understand the United States They are meant to embody physically values and ideas of the country that we live in. Really, they're there to shape our view of reality and to call us when we see them, when we remember them, to call us to find our place in that reality that the memorials declare and the reality that that the memorials proclaim. Israel is called to remember. Why is Israel called to remember? Israel is called to remember for the same reason. Because Israel needs to understand that they exist within a particular story. Israel is called to remember that they are part of a nation and they are called to understand who they are and who their God is. They're called to remember, they're called to remember Sabbath because this will shape their reality. Will make them into a people who are living in a particular story. Who understand reality from the perspective of that story. Remember. You have the Sabbath, and on that day, remember. Now, what particularly is it that they are called to remember? We might think, because it's Sabbath, because it's about rest, we might think it would say something like, remember, you're frail, and you need to take a break from time to time. Remember, you get tired out, and so you're going to need to take a rest from time to time. That's not what it says. Here's what it says. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. They are called to remember that they were slaves in Egypt. They are being called to remember their deliverance. That they were delivered from slavery in Egypt. That they are brought now to this place before they're entering into the promised land to take it. They are called to remember their deliverance. Remember that the Nile was turned to blood. Remember the frogs and the boils and the locusts and the hailstones and the darkness. Remember the swarming gnats and the irritating flies. Remember the death of the firstborn and remember the blood that was on your door frames, that the angel might pass over your home and your firstborn would be spared. And remember the sea that parted in front of you. Remember your deliverance. You were slaves in Egypt and I, the Lord, brought you out with my mighty outstretched arm. Sabbath. Sabbath is rooted in the remembrance of God's mighty deliverance. Sabbath is a memorial, not a statue, not a building, but a day that is a memorial to the deliverance of Egypt, uh, of Israel from Egypt. So Sabbath is a monument to their deliverance, which means it's a monument to their deliverer. This is about honoring the Lord. Our God is about recognizing that he is the Lord, that he delivered Israel. So in saying that it is a monument to the deliverer, it is also saying that you, Israel, needed a deliverer. You could not deliver yourself. Israel had 0% chance of delivering themselves from Egypt. Israel had 0% chance of having the power that they would need to break out of Egypt, to overpower Pharaoh and his armies, to make the escape from Egypt into the promised land. They could not do this. It would have been impossible for them to even imagine that they could deliver themselves from Egypt. And yet the Lord God stepped in and he delivered them. Only God could do that. Only God had the power to do that. Only God had the authority to do that. Only God could do that for Israel. And this takes us to the heart of Sabbath. This is why this is what is being remembered here. This also takes us to the dangerous confrontation that Sabbath is for us in our lives. The Sabbath here, he's not saying, take a Sabbath so that you can have a break. He's not saying, take a Sabbath so you can watch football on a Sunday afternoon. He's saying, take a Sabbath as a means of your remembrance that there is one true God, that He is the Lord, that you were slaves and He delivered you. What is Sabbath really about? Before it's about rest... Sabbath is about power. It is about who has power in the universe. It's about who has authority over our lives. It, has, it is about who is the one true God. Rest is an implication of Sabbath. Rest is a vital response to Sabbath, but rest is not the reason for Sabbath. The reason that Israel is called to Sabbath is so that this day a week they will remember that God is God, that Yahweh is the Lord, and that their lives would be built around this rhythm of remembrance that God is God, that Yahweh is the Lord. And that is why it's so dangerous. Because I want to be God. Because I want to be the Lord. Because I want to have power. Because I want to have authority over my life. I want to be in charge. And yet Sabbath declares that we are not. Sabbath confronts this deepest desire of our hearts To be our own gods. To be in control of our own lives. It goes way deeper than physical rest. It goes to the heart of the human condition. It confronts us in the depths of our souls. It confronts the desires and the values that have shaped the the culture that we live in. It confronts our world. It confronts the humanism of our day. So we live in a a humanistic day. And I don't mean by that just some particular philosophical vision of humanism. I, I mean by this as the organizing ideas of our time. The organizing notions of our day declare that humanity is ultimate. Our politics declare this. Technology declares this. The way that we think about how the world works declares this, that humans are ultimate. The ideas that have shaped the culture that we live in elevate the human individual and call us to a freedom that is defined as being lords over our own lives, to define ourselves as we wish to be gods and masters of ourselves. And with that comes the great striving of our age. And it is this striving that we are living in now. It is this striving that is creating the tension that we experience today in our culture. Because what our culture declares... What the world around us declares is that we are to be lords of our own lives. We are to be masters of our own fate. And if I am the Lord of my own life, and you are the Lord of your own life, and we are all pursuing this as individuals, what is going to happen? There is going to be conflict. There is going to be a a disruption because we are all desiring to be our own gods. What our world declares to us is that what we ought to be pursuing in life is the accumulation of our own self-achieved power so that I can be God, Lord of my life. The great disruptions that we are experiencing today, the great challenges that we are experiencing are the expression of our own authority over our lives and the pursuit of our culture to be in control of our own lives. And Sabbath confronts at the deepest levels these ideas. Sabbath confronts this vision that our culture has embraced. Sabbath confronts our striving for power and control. Sabbath calls us to lay down our lives that we might be servants Of God. Ultimately, what Sabbath does is it resists our striving to be God. That's why God puts it into the rhythm of Israel's life that each week they would come to this place and there would be a memorial to the fact that He is the deliverer. That they are not. That He is the Lord. They are not. And on that Sabbath day, they are to remember and they are to rest in His Lordship and the reality that He is God. See, if we take Sabbath seriously, it can't just be about kind of a a project for making sure that I get a little more sleep. It can't be just about a, a project of kind of behavior modification to make sure that I organize myself a little bit differently. It's so much deeper than that. It goes so much deeper than that. It is so profound what it is saying to us and the challenge that it is posing to us. If we take it seriously, it will challenge each of us in the depths of our soul. Because Sabbath calls us to understand that we exist in a different story than the story that the culture around us is telling about itself. We exist in a a different vision of the world than the vision of of the culture around us. Sabbath declares that there is one true God, that he is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that this God created the universe to dwell with him in Sabbath. See, when God created the heavens and the earth, as Pastor Steph looked at last week, In six days he created the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day he rested. On the seventh day there is no evening and morning. There is evening and morning on the first six days. There's no evening and morning on the seventh day. Why? Because Sabbath was not just to be a day. Sabbath was to be the reality of the universe that God created the universe to dwell in rest and in peace with him and with each other. That's what we are created for. But when we reject that in Genesis 3 and we take power for ourselves and we take control of our own lives, that Sabbath peace, that Sabbath rest disappears and now we live in a world of striving, in a world of conflict. But you and I We are called to be the people who recognize that there is one true God and we are not that God. And that our lives are to be laid down for him as a service to that God. And as we lay down our lives to God, we then receive the peace of living life with him. The Sabbath day was a memorial to how it should be. How God created the world to be. And now we, the people of God, the church, are those people who are called to recognize that there is a God, that he has power, that he has authority, that he is in control I am not, and that I can lay down my life into his keeping, and I can commit myself to him, and I can give up the exhausting task of being my own God, because it is exhausting to be our own God. You weren't created for it. God never intended it for you. It will not lead to thriving. It will not lead to life. We can keep pursuing it, we can keep chasing it, we can keep thinking, I can do this thing and I can do that thing and then I'll be my own God and if I just get enough power and if I just get enough resources, then I can be my own God and we can do that whole striving thing and that will deplete us and exhaust us. We weren't created for that. We were created for rest. Not just spiritual rest, or a physical rest, but the spiritual rest. It is what we were intended to experience. See, Sabbath declares that we lose our life when we try to gain it for ourselves. Sabbath declares that we exhaust ourselves when we strive to be our own God. And so God, in his grace, and in his kindness, calls us, to remember Remember, God is the deliverer. You are not. Remember, Yahweh is the Lord. You are not. Remember, Yahweh is the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are not. The Sabbath is dangerous. Sabbath confronts us at the deepest places of our striving to be our own gods. But Sabbath is good. Because Sabbath is grace. God calls Israel to observe the Sabbath as a memorial, as a constant reminder that he is God. God is calling us today to observe the Sabbath. I don't know what that might look like in your particular life. I know that the the series is going to be kind of exploring some of those things moving into the future. I don't know what it looks like exactly for you. But I do want to encourage you to find in Sabbath the deep rest that God created you for. To hear the confrontation, to recognize the danger, but also to know that when God confronts us, when God challenges us, He always does it because He loves us. And He does it because He wants to do what He always does. He wants to bring life out of death. And so I encourage you as a community to seek after the rest of Sabbath. I want to encourage you as this community to recognize that that you are being formed as a people with a purpose. And one of those purposes is to declare to the people around you, to the culture around you, to the neighborhood and the neighborhoods where you dwell, that you are not your own God. I, I would pray that this church would be a restful community declaring to the people that are watching you that you are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and that in him you have found rest. The rest that your soul was created for. The rest that all the striving around us is looking for but can't find because they're in the wrong story. Live the story of Sabbath that the Lord Jesus Christ might be made evident and glorified through your life as a people. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Sabbath. We are so grateful to you that you have created us for rest. Imagine many of us feel a long way away from that. We feel exhausted. Give us rest. As we lay down our lives. As we recognize that you are our deliverer. May we be your people. In Jesus' name, amen.